started with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your wonderful love. Thank you for bringing us here together this evening to hear from you and by hearing your word to be changed, to have our burdens that we carry lightened and to have our minds renewed and our hearts set free. We just pray that you'd encourage us tonight through the reading and setting of your psalms. In Jesus' name, amen. So in thinking and praying about how to tackle the study of the Psalms, uh, there's quite a challenge because what, there's 150 of them. Uh, I decided I have this idea to take a sampling of the different types of Psalms, take from the different categories of Psalms, a sampling so that we could get a full understanding of the just the wide range of contents that are covered in the Psalms, which is called Israel's hymn book. Um, Sefer Tehillim in the Hebrew, which means book of praises. That is the Hebrew name for the book of Psalms as we've been talking about. God-inspired poems lyrical um, poetry uh, that is God breathed the as all scripture is and they were meant to be recited or uh, sung in a worship setting or in private uh, prayer and so the New Testament tells us about the Psalms to recite them in congregation to one another and to be singing these kinds of songs there in Colossians 3 and Ephesians 5. So there's 150, as you know, and uh, they're divided up. They come to us divided, and in your English Bibles, you will see this, divided into five books. Now, uh, here they are. I just have a chart for you. So uh, Ezra, the time about 450 B.C., Ezra was a high priest. And he was responsible for uh, uh, renewing the temple, rebuilding it after it was destroyed and the people were exiled. When they came back, Ezra was doing these kinds of things. And the scholars believe that one of the things they did together was kind of codify uh, the books of the Psalms. And uh, they are, as you see, they're arranged uh, 1 through 41 and then the following, as you see on the slide. Now, here's the difficulty. Scholars have looked at them. They can't find any rhyme or reason what was going on in Ezra's Jewish mind at the time. Now, I'm I'm sure that they, the Jews, and those who were responsible for uh, the worship in the temple knew what they were doing uh, by organizing them, but the modern mind uh, cannot see them because there's just, it's not chronology, because there's a gap of uh, a thousand years and they're all kind of interspersed, uh, right? And it's not by authors either. Um, And so just to remind you, David wrote half of them, but Moses had his hand in there, Solomon, and then two other groups. And the sons of Asaph, Asaph was the worship leader 
for King David. And he was responsible for, for the ministry of worship there. And so the children of Asaph are really his students and uh, those who worked with him. And then the other uh, authors are called the sons of Korah, which ought to be very interesting to you because in number 16, Korah led a rebellion and it was awful. And uh, even the New Testament talks about how wicked Korah was, but his sons survived. And his sons went on to become writers of psalms. And so that's a very redemptive and very uh, uplifting, hopeful thing that God can turn around a family line that uh, had some tragedy, uh, moral uh, corruption, and bring about such a beautiful thing. So here they are. Uh, So what is helpful is theologians throughout the centuries have come up with just several categories of psalms to place the 150, and they do fall rather cleanly into them. Not completely, but uh, pretty much. And so um, I've got a chart for you here. There are seven, all right? God loves the number seven, right? So we're just going to have an introduction here to the book of Psalms, and then we're going to dive into something here. Uh, I'll let you uh, know as we go here. So hymns of praise, first of all. So these are just straight up praise songs that just praise God uh, for his goodness. Like we sang uh, or recited uh, earlier this evening. Psalm 8, straight up praise. Wow, Lord, you're so majestic. You made the sun, moon, and the stars. How awesome that you care about us. So just straight up praise. Psalm 150, straight up praise. Praise the Lord. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in his his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet, the harp, the stringed instruments. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Just straight up praise. Then we've got uh, hymns of lament or complaint. uh, Or in other words, it's a bummer to be me right now kind of (laughs) songs, okay? And, and uh, <laughs> what we, we love these songs. And a great example is uh, the, the, the psalm that's found in uh, number 13. How long, God? Are you going to forget about me forever? Why do you hide your face? How long do I have to wrestle these thoughts day after day and have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? And all God's people said, Oh. <laughs> That, that was good. Or Psalm 73 is one of these where he says, Lord, uh, is it just me or are the enemies winning? You know, they have a better deal than we do. I mean, we're just picking up our cross and following and they have everything they want. They're happy. They're healthy. And look at us. We're suffering. What, what gives? So, so the, those kinds of things. But they said in much uh, nicer ways than I just put them out there. Uh, hymns of Testimony. Uh, so of salvation, uh, individually and corporately as a nation. So in this category, uh, you've got Psalm 66, I love, that says, Come and hear all you who fear the Lord, and let me tell you what he's done for me. That's Psalm 66. But the one I cited there was Psalm 40. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me, heard my cry. He lifted me out of a slimy pit. Out of the muck and mire, he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. So there are those psalms in there. There's lots of those. And then corporately, as a 
the congregation of Israel, God's people. Oh, give thanks there in Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. And then it goes on a litany of ways that God had bailed Israel out, starting back in the days in Egypt. And there will be a line where he he tossed Pharaoh's armies into the sea, and then the choir sings his love endures forever. When we were hungry and we were in the desert and we didn't have any food, he rained down bread from heaven. His love endures forever. When we were dying of thirst, there's no water in the desert. He strikes a rock and out comes this water. Could you not sound bored? (laughs) Or like Eeyore, his love endures forever. Yes, it's the desert, but the Lord was providing. Uh, you guys belong in the second group, the, the, the hymns of lament. All right, moving on. Hymns of provocation. Oh, these are interesting. The real uh, theological term is imprecatory psalms. Imprecatory means to call down curses upon God's enemies and, and actually our own enemies, and, and this isn't a call to do that, but there are these psalms that we see um, that really incite God to deal with the bad guys strongly and severely. Those who plot evil, who oppose goodness, who hurt people, who violate people, violent aggressors, who swallow up my people, says the Lord. Uh, Psalm 5, declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them for their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. So do what you've said you're going to do to the bad guys. And so how do we balance those kinds of songs with the New Testament call to love our enemies? Well, you'll have to come back next week to hear about that. <laughs> if, if we go to that category next week. So you won't know, so you'll have to be here. What? Okay, hymns of wisdom. They're just straight up like Proverbs, just set to music. Uh, You know, Psalm 1, you want to be happy? I'll tell you the key to life. Avoid the wrong people. Don't hang out with them. Meditate on God's word day and night. You're going to be like this fat, healthy tree that grows these delicious apples 24-7 every day of the week, winter, spring, summer, fall. All you have to do is call. Sorry. (laughs) Just, it just got in my head. I'm a child of the 70s. All right, so you get that. Hymns of the, oh, Psalm 37. That was Psalm 1, right? I got to tell you this or I'll get several emails, right? So uh, Psalm 37. Oh, there it is. Where is it? Psalm 37, check it out. Really good. (laughs) Hymns of the Messiah. This is one of my favorite ones here. Hymns of the Messiah. I'm all backwards here. Hymns of the Messiah. I'm skipping a page. That's my problem. Hymns of the Messiah are Psalm 22, the Psalm of the Crucifixion. Uh, There's all kinds. Psalm uh, 2 is also a hymn of the Messiah, prophetically speaking, of this Messiah to come. Psalm 2 is about Armageddon. This is a thousand years before Christ was written. 
that was written. And so Psalm 22 talks about his garments being, uh, they cast lots for his garment. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He says, uh, they have pierced my hands and feet. This is before Roman crucifixion. And so those are the Psalms there. And then um, hymns for special occasions. And that is what we're going to take a look at uh, tonight, a sampling from um, these kinds of seasonal holiday, holy day. That's where we get the word. Uh, there were seven official holy days. There are more holidays for the Jews. Uh, and there were three that were obligatory to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem where the temple was. Uh, for the three of them, if you're interested, there was Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And every Jewish male, uh, 20 and older, had to make the trek to Jerusalem. And there was grace for certain situations, but generally speaking, everybody went to Jerusalem. Well, it, it, don't think of it like the United States of America. Israel was as big as, and still is, as uh, New Jersey. Now, since most of you don't know what that means, since you live on this side of the planet, um, it's two, 260 miles north to south. And it's 70 miles at its widest, 10 miles at its narrowest. And most of the people live sort of in the middle, where Jerusalem is. So it's, it's not very far. I mean, at the longest, north to south, it's like driving from here to Fresno, exactly. So they, they lived halfway right there. So it wasn't a big deal. It was very doable. And so they went. And as they went, now we're talking about special occasion songs, holiday songs, Christmas and Easter, Okay, and if you don't like the word Easter because it has pagan associations, I've already mentioned this before, but Sunday is named after the sun god, and Monday is named after the moon god, and Tuesday is named after Tui, which is a, it was a Roman, a, a Norse god of dueling, you see? So yeah, we say Easter, Christians know Right, so so don't let that uh, trip you up. So, uh, but we have our favorite. Uh, oh, come, let us adore him. We have those kind of holiday tunes. There's a group called the Songs, the Psalms of Ascent, and they were sung whenever, or they're called songs of pilgrimage. Whenever there was a holiday, these are the the hymns they busted out and they sang, but they sang them. Going up the word for these psalms, each one of the psalms, there's 15 of them. Each one of the psalms has a title, Song of Climbing, Song of Stepping Up and Getting Close. Or it also means gradual, a gradual stepping up out of your ordinary life of troubles and everyday problems and stepping up out of that and now we're going to go celebrate and worship the Lord on this special occasion. And these were the psalms. They weren't necessarily penned for that reason. Not necessarily. But somehow these tunes became Israel's favorites at holiday time. And so they're called Songs of Ascent because as they made the pilgrimage up the hill, 
And let me show you a picture of Israel. All right, there's hills everywhere, and Jerusalem is known for its hills. So this is the Kidron Valley here, and we will drive right along these roads uh, next year if you're coming with us. Um, And so you see the hill. As they climb, they would be in little groups reciting, and then using these hymns and songs reciting them to one another, singing them, and you could just imagine how happy. It's holiday time. There's going to be joy. There's going to be family reunions. There's going to be music. There's going to be dancing. There's going to be a lot of food. And and and, and not to mention the spiritual renewal time. And so uh, that's what they would do. I have another picture, I think, of the hills. And just, you know, that as we, uh, we stood up here. And this is Mount Olives. Is Mount of Olives is over here. This is the Arab section of uh, Jerusalem. But you're on another hill. There's a valley in between. And so as they ascended, uh, they were stepping out of their old lives, sort of the monotony, and then up into this beautiful place. Uh, with the Lord. And so uh, they start at one, Psalm 120 and goes to Psalm 134. And we're just going to hit a sampling of them. Okay, so Psalm 120 right here for you. I call on the Lord. So this is it. You're going to picture them. I call on the Lord in my distress. He answers me, save me, O Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. What will he do to you? And what more besides, O deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long I have lived among those who hate peace. I'm a man of peace, but when I speak, they are for War. So that's the first one. Let's talk about this. How does it fit with going to go worship the Lord at the holidays? They're stepping up out of being surrounded in a world that's hostile to God and even more hostile to the people of God, the Jews. And so it's a woe is me. I got to live down here, down here. But now a perfect backdrop for giving you more joy to be in worship on this special occasion is that you see what you're coming out of. You're coming out of a place that's uh, a world that doesn't share the same enthusiasm for righteousness, for God, for evangelism. In fact, there's hostility and persecution and oppression, but they're climbing up out of that and they're going to a place where that is going to be untouched. Uh, he's just saying, everywhere we go, there's falsehood and lies. The world has exchanged the truth about God for a lie, worshiping themselves rather than the creator, Romans chapter 1. And, and, and like poor Lot, poor Lot would sing this song, right? I mean, he lived in Sodom in the New Testament, 2 Peter chapter Two And verse 18 says, day after day, Lot had to listen to things and see things that vexed him. It means to grieve him. And it says that his righteous soul, his soul that was put right with God, was, was here's the word, tormented. Now listen, folks, if, 
there's a little bit of a degree of this in all every Christian's heart that when we come to the house of the Lord, we're just kind of preparing our hearts. We get into the parking lot. We're like, here we are in this place where right is right and wrong is wrong, right? And the guilty are guilty and the innocent are innocent. The world is right side up in the presence of the Lord. Now, to dwell in Kedar or Meshech, there are Arab nomad tribes that were violent and brutal and godless. And he says, I'm surrounded, but I'm climbing. And I'm going to be with the Lord. That's what he's saying. And let me just say this. One of these days, and by the way, it's a wonderful world. I, try, I love that Christmas song, It's a Wonderful World. You know, I see uh, tea, trees, <laughs> I see teas of green. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. I get that. I love that song. I love my life. I love nature. I, I am a happy guy. But there's a cognitive dissonance in all of us that we have to sit by. And, and yes, we see these beautiful things and have a beautiful life in the Lord. And then watch our families who we love make bad decisions and walk down paths that are going to cause a lot of pain to them. And then flip on the news. This is what the psalm is all about. I've got to watch the news. And I've got to love the Lord. I'm coming to the Lord. And one of these days, the trumpet's going to sound with the voice of the archangel. And you want to talk about a song of ascent? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> That's an ascent that we are going to make. First Thessalonians chapter 4. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together. He, we're go- That's where we're all headed, up there. So i got to move along. Okay, 121. I'm going to take little bits and pieces here. I lift up my eyes to the second song. I I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Ah, do you get it now? They're climbing hills. And and he just they're just singing about woe is me. I'm surrounded by this hostility and persecution. But now I'm lifting up my eyes to the hill. At the top of that hill is the temple that Solomon built. My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. He's not going to let your foot slip. The Lord will keep you from all harm from those tents of Kedar. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. And so, yeah, you know, you're leaving behind as we concentrate on the Lord uh, a lot of hurtful stuff. So he's looking up. It's the right perspective to have a heavenly uh, perspective. There's no greater comfort than to remind oneself, and look, he's talking to himself in second person, which the psalmists always do, tend to do. They're encouraging themselves. What are you so depressed about? Put your hope in God. You will yet praise him again. Just talk to yourself. I do it all the time. (laughs) What does uh, Paul say? Listen, there's the uh, Paul says. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Second Timothy chapter 4, that's kind of what we're talking about here. The next psalm, Psalm 122, minimized here. I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, O Jerusalem. Do you see this? Do you see You could just open one day and turn to that and not understand the context. They're walking up the hills 
during Passover, they're going to go up, and now they're standing. We're here, finally. We're home. We've got that peace. This is a song of being homesick for Jerusalem and the peace and the joy, the forgiveness of when you, when your soul meets God and you're in the congregation and God just talks to you from his word or just ministers to you. There is nothing like that. You cannot find that in the tents of Kedar. You can't find it down the hill. By yourself, even walking on the beach, there's something about where two or three gathered together in my name there, I'm there in a special corporate way. It doesn't mean he's not with us when we're on the beach alone. There's just a different dynamic. And so they are glad to be there. You know, they're just crossing the sign that says, welcome to Jerusalem, right? And they're just all, wow, we're in Jerusalem. Wow. Wow. I had a magical grandmother's house experience in the suburbs of Boston. And that place, my mother's relatives all lived in this tenement building. And my grandma lived on the bottom with Auntie Connie and Uncle Emo. No kids there. And above them, Auntie Vicky, Uncle Freddie, Robbie, and Cindy. And then everybody gathered there for big festive Christmas dinners My house was a house where there was alcohol uh, abuse and a lot of sadness and chaos. But when we went there, my parents were on their good behavior. (laughs) And my relatives all made up for all of that. And when we drove from New York to Massachusetts to go visit them, in this beautiful, with all the antiques and all the love and all the, the special cooking and the smells of the food. Oh, when I saw the sign Methuen, that's the city. Oh, it was just, it was a wonderful, it's the same thing. We're here, Jerusalem, we're here, we're home, we're safe. That was the feeling. I'm safe and I'm loved and I'm secure. Okay, next one, 123. I lift up my eyes to you. Lift up my eyes. We're walking home. You get it? To you whose throne is in heaven, past the temple. Oh, they're smart. (laughs) As the eyes of slaves look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid looks to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he shows us what? His mercy. That's what we need. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Have mercy on us. For we've endured much contempt. We have endured much ridicule from the proud, much contempt from the arrogant. So one through four, that's pretty easy there. 123. All right. So it's just quickly a song to remind us of our great dependence on God, especially for mercy, especially in times of persecution, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Okay, the next Psalm, 124. If the Lord hadn't been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord hadn't been on our side when men attacked us, when their anger flared against us, they would have swallowed us alive. Verse 4. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So here at Psalm 124, 
a song to remind us where we would be without God's intervention. There's a joke, right? And I've shared this before that Jews tell uh, about summarizing what all Jewish holidays have in common with one another. Yes, I know, you know. Uh, uh, The motto goes this way. They tried to kill us. We survived. Let's eat. (laughs) This is the idea that as they're going up to worship God, they're reminding us, and check this out. If you want your worship time to be sweet and not just singing some songs and you, with your mind wandering and not feeling a thing, that's because you didn't prepare your heart. But if you are climbing up out of your ordinary life, and, and by the time you get here, you've already rehearsed about how many times the Lord has saved you and spared you and blessed you and treated you better. And you've rehearsed some of this. This is what they're doing. They're rehearsing for when they get to the top and ta-da, they're ready to go. They're soft. They're cleansed of their sins. They're, they're in their right mind, spiritually uh, speaking. Listen, where would we be? Without the Lord, where would you be? Half of us would be dead. Right? I mean, seriously, the things we did as teenagers, how many, never mind. <laughs> Our own dumb mistakes. That with, where would we be? The devil seeking someone to devour? Our sins, our temptations are flying down the freeways at excessive amounts of speed? That was aimed at somebody in here. Risky decisions, sicknesses, money problems. The odds are stacked against us. He's just saying, take a look at where you would be. Stop to think where you would be. I'm just going to say this. You'd be straight on the road to hell. That's where you'd be. If God didn't intervene, you'd be lost. So how does that change the way you come in to sing a song. If you've just gone in your head, I would be perishing if you didn't just say, I'm going to step in in front of you and stop you from leaping over into the abyss with no bottom. Hold that. Oh, get your hands out of your pockets. So, no offense. Psalm 125. Look at us speeding through. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion which cannot be shaken but endures forever. As a mountain surrounds Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. I'm 125. Okay, so you might be wondering why they're singing about Mount Zion because before Jerusalem was Jerusalem, it was (laughs) occupied by the wicked Jebusites who named that hill Zion. And Zion just now has been readopted and used 150 times in the scriptures for Jerusalem, but more than that, for the seat of God's power and presence, Mount Zion. And he says, listen, this is a song about the stability of those who trust in God. See, they're climbing up and they're thinking, I'm related, I'm fused together with this God, the God of heaven and earth, as it says, but who makes his presence known in Zion. And so how stable am I 
If Zion is going to be forever, uh, so, so will I. That's what he's saying. Uh, Psalm 87 says that Mount Zion is God's favorite place on earth. That's what it says. Now, why is that? That's not hard to figure out. Mount Zion is the same mount that God the Son took wood and walked with the crossbeam on his shoulders. That's where the blood of God spilled was Mount Zion. Of course, he says it's my favorite place in the whole world. Why? Because he crushed the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf, which Isaiah 53 says he was pleased to do. No. The fruit of that, that you and I can sit here washed white as snow, our secrets not divulged on that day, but covered. That's pretty nice. That's why it's his favorite place. And that's why they're reminding themselves, whoa, you know, what can separate us from the love of Christ? Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, poverty, sword, guns, bombs, nuclear war, North Korea. No. In all of these things, none of the above. Thank you. Marianne, you again? (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Always. <laughs> All right. So let's move on. Psalm 126. Oh, I like this one. When the Lord brought back the captains, captains, <laughs> the captives to Zion. There it is again. We were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations. Wow. <laughs> the Lord's done great things for those Jews. <laughs> God's people. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. So, you remember, somewhere around 586 B.C., the second and final exile that uh, Iraq came in under Nebuchadnezzar, leveled the place, Jerusalem, because of their sins and the hardness of their hearts, and took them all away for 100 years. 70 years, 100 years. It took them 100 years to get back. But the Lord stirred up a pagan king, Artaxerxes, and said, hey, I want you to help my people go back now. They paid the dues, 70 years, boom, new generation, bring them back. Supply them with the money to do it and all of that. When those first recruits got back to the Holy Land, even though it was decimated, their, their jaws would just drop. We're back. We're back in the land with God's promises and God's provision. And they're supplying the um, equipment and the supplies to rebuild the Holy Land. The pagan king. So they're like, can somebody wake us up? Because this is a dream, right? And so uh, this is the thing to just recall the goodness of God, sometimes it seems like a dream come true when he gives us the desires of our hearts. I started thinking about this. I got all teary-eyed in my office. Started to think, uh, you know, what, what has God done in my life or yours when you're thinking, only my dreams I could have imagined this. And I started thinking, number one, that I would get saved. Barb and I were in San Francisco visiting the Hurleys, Afterwards, we stopped to get something to eat. It just happened to be by that bar 
that my brother and I heard the Lord and walked out onto the sidewalk and got full on saved with not one Christian there, but the Holy Spirit giving me eternal life. I said, Barb, I pulled up there, caused a little traffic problem. But I pulled up there. I said, look at that. Do you see that section right between the door and the end of the wall? I stood there with Darian and, and got eternal life in that, right there. That's where I got eternal life. I walked out of a godless discotheque <laughs> oh, with angel flight pants on. <laughs> I don't know that I was actually wearing that, but... I, I did at once wear them, and uh, I was like, I'm like a guy who has dreamed. I got to live a good life. I wasted everything up until 19, all going to be gone, nothing, dead. But in 19, the clock starts because I came to life, Amen. and God gave me a good life, and I'm like a guy who's dreamed. I married a girl that I pictured in my head all those years, from 19 to 26. I pictured that face and that person and that classy act called Barbara Reinman. And there she was. And I'm just like, am I dreaming? Wake me up. I was just staying alive, staying alive. <laughs> and now I'm marrying this girl with a godly background. Oh, her grandparents are church planters and all of this. Then I'm having children. I'm holding babies. Now I'm holding grandbabies and another one's coming. I'm like, I'm like a guy who's going, pinch me. What is going on? Do you treat everybody like this? Right? And, and, and I, I'm only doing this because you've got your story. He doesn't just, just dump all this blessing on one or two people. He just, oh, he lavishes his love upon you. It would be really good for you to start thinking, what has he done in your life that makes you just say, wow, what a dream. Man, what a dream. Amen? Amen. 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. Guess who wrote this? I'll give you a multiple. Yes, you got it. Solomon. Very good. Solomon only wrote two. Well, he wrote like a thousand or three thousand. It says, where does it say that? It says that in 1 Samuel that he wrote a bunch of uh, 3,000 songs and all of this. We only got two. Only two were divinely inspired. Well, this one, of course Solomon wrote it. Meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. He's just saying this. It's good to study hard, <laughs> and it's good to do your homework, and it's good to work really, really hard. But unless you have God in your life blessing you, it's just not going to mean anything. It's not going to work unless God adds his blessing to it. And he learned the hard way. He said, when I do all the things, I work harder than anybody else. I spend more money than anybody else. I build gardens and zoos and botanical gardens. And I have it all. But I don't have God's blessing. And walking with God, he says, it's like chasing the wind, empty, meaningless, meaningless, said Solomon. 
meaningless. And so he's just saying, uh, just a reminder, God, that everything that we have, we're indebted to your blessing. And, and if you don't have that before you got up to the top of the hill to meet with him, you're missing a key ingredient. You'll be hindered because you're filled with some kind of self-righteous, you're, you're okay, you got this, you got enough strength, you got enough smarts. Oh, no, 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 you, you may be smart, you may be strong, you may be very, very diligent, but unless God is blessing all of that, you don't have anything. And that just ingratiates your heart to him. Instead of thinking, well, I'm a pretty good guy, and God's pretty happy to have me on his team. <laughs> Psalm 128, that doesn't help you in the worship service. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. So Psalm 128 is a fun one. It's a song of blessing, and they're sort of praying over one another. All these blessings, and if you read the psalm, It'll go on to say, may he bless you in your marriage. Oh, there's nothing worse than a strained marriage to take the joy out of life. And there's nothing better than a blessed marriage where there's love and harmony and all of that. I don't need to go on, but it says, may your children just flourish be healthy and happy with a long life. So they're blessing each other with this prayerful, uh, loving concern over one another's lives. And, and let me just tell you, if you don't have that kind of loving concern for everyone who's sitting around you, your worship experience will not be as rich as it could be. The Lord's really into this part of worship uh, that we be right with one another. And in fact, he says, if you're about to leave your offering, I, I've told you this many times, and you know it well, you're about to write your big check. He says, please don't. If you've got, if you're busy offending people, or you haven't gotten right with somebody that you know, you just, just apologize. Just apologize. It wasn't my fault. Just apologize as far as it is dependent on you, then you could say, God, hey, I've done my part. I ate dirt. I, I didn't need to, but I did it for peace, and I did it for you, God, so that when I write my check, you're like, oh, wow, thank you, instead of, you know what? I don't need your money. When your heart's not right, and you're being a jerk, and you're being sorry, but yeah, you get it. Psalm 129. They have greatly oppressed me from my youth. Oy vey. Let Israel say, they have greatly oppressed me from my youth, but they have not gained the victory over me. So Psalm 129. I love this one because here's a reality check. We're going from the prosperity of a good marriage and the blessings of a long, prosperous life and they're thanking God for this and that and the other thing. And here's the song for when it's not the case for you. The guy next to you, you're hearing, he's hearing the songs of this and that and the other thing. And he's like, I'm trying to make ends meet. Uh, the marriage is going south right now. Uh, the kids are wandering all over the place. Uh, I've got the tents of Kadar at work. You know, this is not fun for me. But he says, you know what? In this season of life, here's a song 
for those whose lives are struggling. And he says, I'm having a really hard time. I've really taken a beating, but the victory is still mine. I love that song. New, New, New Testament application. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, Paul singing, we're pressed on all sides, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Ah, same sort of song there. Psalm 130. I couldn't resist this one. I had to put the whole thing. All right, so we're almost done, by the way. Four more. Let's read this together, because it's beautiful. Ready? Out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Amen. Well, just a quick shout out here. It's a song to say, listen, chill out. Wait patiently. There's hope. There's a future. Be patient and hold the course. Psalm 131. Love this one. 131, sorry. Do we not have it? Oh, that's okay. I'll read it to you. My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have stilled my and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. So here's the psalm really that says you really need to chill out. This is it. This is really keep it simple, silly. He's saying here's a, a lullaby song for the anxious soul. That says, listen, just going to keep it simple. I've got a God. He loves me. He's provided everything that I need. I'm not going to stress about this. I'm going to have the contentment that a weaned child, I mean, we've, we've, we've got babies who nurse. And when that child is satisfied, there's a heaviness. They become like, 10 pounds heavier. <laughs> they just kind of on you, and it's, it's wonderful. He's saying, I want to be like that. That's how I am. When I connect with God's word with faith, 
that this is me he's talking about and not some other guy. But on the object of God's great love and care, oh, I could just like, oh, fall back into the arms of the Most High God who's my Father. That ought to give you some spiritual Z's right there. All right. I'm ready for your Psalm 132. Oh, Lord, remember David and all the hardships he endured. Now, this is a long, lengthy psalm, and you can read it at your leisure. But let me tell you about it. It's a song that focuses attention not on King David, but on King David's son, who will become the Messiah, who is Messiah, who is Christ Jesus, our Lord. He's called David's son because he, he's related to King David. Uh, through Joseph, we didn't need that to happen, but Joseph is related to David, and so is Mary. So biologically, he is blood-related. God. <laughs> God pours himself into a human womb that happens to be related to David, and he told David, from your own body will come a king who will sit on a throne forever from your body. It might look like you. Wow. Romans chapter 1 says, the good news is about Jesus Christ, his son. Humanly speaking, he was born into King David's family line, and at the same time he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, really, when you get to the top of the hill, here's the deal. When you get to the top of the hill, it's all about Messiah. It's all about Savior. It's all about getting to heaven, having your sins washed away. That's what it's all about. Not about the party, not about the food, not about the, you know, bless you, keep you, all of this stuff. Yeah, that's all nice. But front and center, remember David and all the hardships he endured and then his son, and it goes on to talk about that. Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. That's a pretty well-known psalm. He's talking about now the consequences of the Messiah's reign will be this beautiful peace. And so it's looking forward to the promises of God. Uh, the peace the new kingdom that's coming in which only goodness dwells. And there are a few uh, references here. Let me read them about this kingdom that Christians are praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Listen to this kingdom. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they'll all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. So I'm going to be out of a job. All right, because that's all I do is teach people to know the Lord, and he's going to be sitting right there. So uh, we'll have different kinds of functions then. Uh, in this kingdom to come where there's peace, he will judge between the nations and settle disputes for many people. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. We can't, we can't even imagine a world like that. And he says, it's coming to a neighborhood near you, Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4. Last one, the wolf will lie down with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, 
the calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. Nothing impure will ever enter that place, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Listen, he's saying how good and pleasant the Messiah's reign is going to be when there's no more arguing, no more fighting, no more violence, no more fear, no more threats, nobody going on national TV and saying we're going to wipe out the United States. You're not going to hear that. You're not going to hear any threats against Israel either, especially against Israel. Amen? Last one. You made it. 15 Psalms. Somebody said it couldn't be done. All right, let's stand together and read this one together, and we'll close the service. You ready? When everybody's standing. Ready? Reading? Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, Bless you from Zion. Amen. Hey, uh, worship team, you can come on up here. And let's talk about this in our closing now. Listen. Surprise, the whole set ends with praise, a call to worship. And I like this 24-7, you know, let those who minister in the house of the Lord, even at night, you see. The ministers stayed there. They lived there. And there were sacrifices and things going on in the evening. And it's just saying 24-7, when you come up the hill, when you go down the hill, we just praise the Lord and there's a blessing for God's people, whether it's holiday time or no. I really like this, you know, those who lift up your hands in the sanctuary. Listen, somebody on, on a blog was talking about this psalm that I was reading. And it was like, do we have to lift up our hands? And listen to, is lifting up, here's the question. Is lifting up your hands, even though it says lift up your hands, is it required? And then it says, is it binding? And you know what went through my head? Is it binding to bring flowers to your wife? Is it required? Yes, it is. <laughs> It's binding. <laughs> of course, it's not binding. It's a lot cheaper than diamonds. I'll tell you that. L listen, that attitude of that attitude of uh, do I have to do it? No. Uh, First Timothy says, you know, it'd be good to raise up hold. That's how one way to express worship. Now, you know, you know, you don't have to. If you want to worship God, there's a gazillion ways to express our love to him. One of them, biblically, is just raising up your hands, focusing like that. And if you're going to sing, I lift my hands up in a worship chorus, and you're singing it with your hands shoved in your pockets, just saying it's not binding, you know? <laughs> Come on. Just give it a little try. Try a little half, half lift. <laughs> You know, or you could do the one, the one lift, you know? You could do the one lift. You won't die. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Listen, listen. 
Just try it once, and I'll never ask you again. All right. But listen, if you can't, you have trouble lifting your hands around a bunch of crazy Christians with eyes closed and music playing to God and nobody cares here. If you're feeling self-conscious about that, what do you do at work? I'm just curious. I mean, I mean, if someone actually finds out you're a Christian and a Bible or, you know. So anyway, I digress. But this is a, is a closure about worshiping and praising God, raising your hands, being free, just blessing his name. It concludes by saying the, the, the Psalms of Ascent, gradual, deliberate, elevating our minds and hearts before we go into the presence to celebrate the Lord for his future hope, his present help, for the goodness of God, how good we have it, how gracious God has been to us, and how secure our hope and our future. Amen. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. Thank you for these psalms of ascent and help us to learn and apply these truths as we come into your presence. In Christ's name, amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.